Welcome to the Onyx Podcast. I'm this week's host, Dixie Cochran, here with Eddie Webb. Hello. And not Matthew Dawkins. Hello. That no, like he's not here, Eddie. You can't just oh, do like, it. What? Okay, also, why not? Why did your voice go higher for Matthew? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to vary the 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 cadence and then the, the, the I don't fucking know. <laughs> like he's he's suddenly like a like a small British waif from a Victorian novel. Hello. Can I have some more, sir? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the opposite of what Matthew sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, the gentleman gamer could not be with us this week. Uh, I think he walked into the sea, never to be (laughs) heard from again, um, at least until next week. Uh, We will fish him out, hopefully, from the grasps of whatever giant tentacle monster or King Clam has him in its tentacly grasp. He he has left to join his Squamous ancestors. I mean, he keeps threatening to do that. Like, I, (laughs) I keep expecting him to just, like, walk into the sea. He should really do a it's video just, like, where he just does that. With Sad Hulk music playing, you know, da 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 da. He just, he just walks into the sea. <laughs> I was thinking more like a Monty Python thing, but. Oh, you there know. we go. That works too. <laughs> so, what's cool about that, though, is that this is one of our interview episodes, and that means that we can have our interviewee with us right from the start. We don't have to do an intro and then edit it and do an outro and edit it all together because. For those of you who don't know, one of the reasons that we do that is because our podcasting program only supports three people. <laughs> so yes. it's literally impossible for us to have all four of us on here. And before everybody comes in the comments with like suggestions and whatever, we've tried Skype, we tried other stuff. We don't really want to pay like a super high monthly fee to get a pro account somewhere. So we're totally happy with the way that this works. Like we actually like the fact that one of us gets a break every week for the right. interview. Well, every two weeks for the interview portion. Um, and the other two get to do it. That oh, is also why you, you hear... I almost never get breaks. <laughs> um, I'm not sure why that is. I guess I probably should step out more. We've 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 talked before. I, I'm I'm gonna get this out in the intro before we get to our, our, our guest. Um, I have a really bad problem with FOMO, as as Eddie mm-hmm. knows, uh, which is fear of missing out. For those of you who don't know, like if I go to a convention, I am almost incapable of going to bed until everybody else is going to bed. It doesn't matter how tired I am. Like. Something fun's going to happen and I'm going to miss it. I'm going to be sad. Like last mm-hmm. night, I'm just going to date this right now. Uh, there was a Cowboys game on. My roommate's a big Dallas Cowboys fan. So it's always on the house. And I declined to watch the game because I had to go to bed early because I had work this morning at 5 a.m. And guess what? There was a whole 30 second section where a cat came on the field and it was just running around and it was super cute. And there was just this black cat in the middle of the football field at a Cowboys uh, Jets game. And I missed that. And now I'm sad about the fact that I didn't see it live, even though I watched the video and I probably got the same enjoyment out of it. But but, but there's now a piece of your brain that's like, but you could have gotten 0001% more enjoyment if you had seen it live. Right, right. Because I could have been the one like tweeting about it. Right. But instead I didn't see it until like 5 p.m. the next day. And then I was like, well, damn it. I bet that they got to see the cat and I didn't. Also, just not seeing a cat when I could be seeing a cat makes me sad. So... Which is inherently understandable. It's like, you know, the same way, like, every time I go outside, it's like, there's a dog. It's like, M- Michelle and I will be driving along, or one of us will be driving, the other person will be talking, and we have a conversation. And then a dog will be in the street somewhere, and the conversation will immediately stop. So we could both recognize that there's a dog and appreciate the dog, and then immediately go back to what we're talking about. It's like, we just, it just happens. Like, dog, stop. Okay, appreciate the dog. Cool. All right. Now, anyway, you were saying, blah, 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 blah. Oh, no. 
I'm the same. I was walking around in D.C. with my boyfriend last weekend, and every, like, two seconds we saw a dog, and we were like, dog, look at that dog, look at that pup, look at that pupper, look at that adorable pupper, look at this little butt, look at this little cute yep. corgi butt. And, like, yep. we'd do that for a second, and then we'd be back to, you know, well, anyway, this book I'm working on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you so anyway, actually had to um, uh, uh, Save Against Fear when they had the, the corgi came in. Oh, my God, somebody at Save Against Fear had the cutest, chubbiest corgi. And every so time it came in, I was just like, I, I can't talk to you right now, Eddie. There's a corgi in my line of sight. And you have to look right. at this corgi with me because I need someone yep. to experience this with me. Um, anyway, yeah. So I have really bad FOMO. So a lot of times when everybody's like, who's going to come out? Who's going to drop out? I'm like, one of y'all can. And then also, <laughs> I, um, also as, as the only woman host... Often, if y'all are, if if our interviewee for the week is also a man, I kind of feel an obligation to be here. Sure. So it's not just three dudes, which is something that we talked about from the beginning. So Mm -hmm. so the cool part about this week's interview that I'm finally going to get around to, because she's been sitting there so patiently with her mic muted, is that (laughs) we have another woman on the podcast. So there's two of us this week, and I'm very excited. We are pleased to welcome back after a year and a half. She was our very first guest ever, the wonderful Megan Fitzgerald. Hi. Hi, Megan. Hi. You were so patient for those five minutes and 20 seconds that I was just rambling about corgi butts. You were talking about corgis and and kittens. I'm fine. (laughs) These are important <laughs> topics, right? <laughs> they are. They're very important. I do the same thing. No, I, pretty much everyone I know, if we pass a dog on the street or something, you have to stop and acknowledge the dog. Yeah, I'm remembering um, last year, midwinter, that happened. We were all sitting around, and then Millie, the, the midwinter dog, came <gasps> yes, in. Millie. Everybody just immediately stopped what they were doing to go, look, it's a dog! Actually, if you go watch the interview that Matthew did with me and Eddie at midwinter, there's a moment in the interview a couple minutes in where Millie wandered over and both of us were like, Mill, it's Millie. Like, we don't want to be doing this interview for your very nice YouTube channel anymore. Like, there's a dog and we want yeah. to pet it. Yeah. And that's that's what we'd rather be doing. Um, speaking of animals, I know everybody on the podcast has heard of Apollo or Bebop usually interrupting the, the podcast immediately, you know, because they do that because they're cats and they're my roommate's cats and I love them very much and I can't shut them out because I don't have a door to my office. Um Megan has already pre-warned us that her two adorable kittens, Virgil and Dante, <laughs> might make an appearance at some point. And if so, we should just acknowledge them like we do a dog and then keep going. <laughs> You've already agreed that, that a... this is now the Onyx Path Cat. Yes. Path Cat. That was a very good segue. <laughs> so that's going to be fun. So anyway, so Megan, you have done a whole bunch of stuff since we last talked to you. Some of it's stuff that we already knew was in the works at the time, because let's face it, books take more than, you know, a month to make. Yep. Um, and then some of it is new stuff that we haven't really talked about. I know last time we were on, it was kind of right after Changeling had come out. So we yeah. spent a lot of time talking about that. And also we were new to this and we didn't know what the hell we were doing. Um, so we just, <laughs> you know, we're like, let's talk about Changeling for an hour. As opposed to now, we absolutely are complete professionals and are on a tight ship. I think I just did a pretty excellent monologue about FOMO cats and corgis that you should take a minute, stop, and acknowledge. (laughs) Just like the dog. Exactly. (laughs) I'm just going to walk back into the sea with Matthew. I'll be fine. (laughs) Anyway. um, So, yeah. So, I know that you've done a bunch of stuff since then. I know there's a lot of stuff that's still kind of in the works, but that is moving along. I know that folks on the outside, you know, they see the updates on the Monday meeting blog, but they may not understand all the little inner workings and tweaks and also since you work on a bunch of our lines i know that you're probably one of our uh 
one of our developers slash writers that has the most balls in the air at any given time. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I, I, I'd be willing to say that, that, like, be, just because, like, you, you work on Scion and you work on Exalted and you work on Chronicle. Like, you just do a little bit of everything, mm-hmm. um, which is awesome and incredibly valuable. But it also means that sometimes us three in-house folks have to check ourselves when a new project comes along and we're like, let's just give it to Megan. Right. Uh, Maybe not right this minute. <laughs> yeah, that happens more than you would think, Megan. Like, I think, like, you know, you and Danielle are a couple of our kind of go-tos. Um, there, yep. there are definitely others. And, of course, all various line devs are in charge of their stuff. But a lot of times some project comes along that we don't really know who to give it to. And it's like, let's give it to Megan. Uh, <laughs> and then somebody else will go, well, she's doing... XYZ NMOP B and D right now. So maybe right. we should look at somebody else. She's literally doing the entire Chronicles of Darkness. Yeah, Megan Megan is in charge of the entire Chronicles of Darkness. Um, <laughs> wait, that, that's my job. Megan. Sorry. Awkward. Wow, Eddie, did you just promote Megan to my position on air? Oh no, no, it happened a long time ago. I just forgot to mention it that's all on air. What am I doing then? <laughs> Why am I still getting paychecks? <laughs> It's still very confusing. <laughs> but yeah, so we, we talked a lot about Changeling, obviously. We've got a couple of books coming up for that. There's Oak, Ash, and Thorn, which is the Changeling Companion, mm-hmm. um, and then Kith and Kin. I wanted to talk a little bit about both of those and what they're kind of shaping up to be, because I haven't actually gotten to read Oak, Ash, and Thorn because I gave it to a different editor. So who knows what's in it? Megan does. I do. (laughs) Um, Sure. So, yeah, they were both books that came out of the Changeling Kickstarter. Um, So, Oak, Ash, and Thorn is, like Dixie said, the companion. Um, It's it's the one where we had stretch goals at the uh, for the Kickstarter to say we're going to have a chapter about this and we're going to have to chapter about that. Um, So, it's four chapters. It was four stretch goals. We got all of them. And uh, they are, let's see if I can remember without having to go look it up, uh, Freeholds, Courts, well, Courts slash Mantles, I should say, Entitlements and Tokens. And Entitlements is uh, probably my favorite part of that book and also the part I think that I've seen people most look forward to because it's something that we didn't have room to put in the core. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we really wanted to update it to second edition, but it just wouldn't fit. So we put it in the companion and and it's in there. We've got three sample entitlements. One of them is an update from first edition that we converted to a second edition style entitlement. And then the other two are brand new. Um, And Steffi Devon wrote that chapter and it's awesome because Steffi's awesome. Steffi. Steffi is great. Yeah. So, um, so definitely look forward to that. Um, The Freeholds chapter is about uh, conflicts between Freeholds. It's got a few um, story seeds for like, uh, here's the kind of Freehold with a court system that's in this city and here are the kinds of problems it faces. Um, Stuff like that, kind of just Freehold interactions. The Courts and Mantles chapter. um, So I think I said this, I forget, on some other podcast interview or something, but... um, a lot of people together after a while. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people were expecting this book to have you know a ton of more example courts in it, and unfortunately, uh-huh. it's a Kickstarter stretch goal, not like a full book. So right. it's a short book, and one cycle of courts takes up like an entire like 
it would have been like half the book. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really just not feasible. So I am hoping that in the future, um, White Wolf will approve something where I can go nuts and we can create lots of new courts. But for now, um, that chapter is more about two major things. One of them is um, creating your own courts in character. So the core has rules about doing it out of character, right? How do you design a court? The This chapter is you're a motley of changelings and you want to actually go make that capital B bargain with something to create your own court oh, or court cycle. That's so How do you cool. do that? That's so yeah, cool. It's, I think it turned out really well. I'm excited to see what people think. And then the other half of that chapter is um, mantles that are mantles possessed by groups that are not courts. Um, so for one reason or another, they don't work the, exactly the same way courts do. They still make a bargain with an entity that's powerful enough. Um, and they still have court contracts and they still have mantle effects and everything. But there are some differences in the way either the organization works and then that has some uh, magical consequences too um, in how the mantle works and how the contracts work. And I'm really excited for those. And I actually, because uh, Oakash and Thord and Kith and Kin were kind of happening at the same time at one point. Like I was developing, uh, I think I was in the final development phase of Oakash and Thorn when I got the Kith and Kin drafts in. And mm-hmm. so there's a couple of places in there where they actually tie together, which I'm really excited about. Um, oh, let's see. Oh, I just want to mention Briarnet. That's all okay. I'm going to say. What? What? You're going to drop a one word <laughs> teaser? <laughs> oh my god. You're worse it's than we are. Really tiny spoiler. Uh, Briarnet. Briarnet. So, so I'm assuming that's like hedge internet. Maybe. That's, that's, that's what I'm going to go with in my head canon until I read Could it. Could be. Or it is a network where you discuss briars. <laughs> the ice cream? Yes. <laughs> no, the uh, line of the line of hand-painted model horses for young girls. Oh, there we go. Surprise! It's about ice cream. Um, and so horses. no, so that's that chapter. And I, there's one thing in there that I, I actually want to mention because a lot of people on the forums and the Discord and stuff have, have asked about this before. What kind of entity can you make a bargain with? And I think most of the time when people ask that question, they're asking it in the context of Chronicles of Darkness crossover, because mm-hmm. in Changeling itself, I mean, we don't have you know spirits are not a thing, Gosha are not a thing, all of those other you know creatures that show up in other games don't really changeling doesn't address them so um when people say that they're usually asking for crossover purposes like they want to have changeling exist in the larger world uh chronicles of darkness and mm-hmm. um they you know does it have to be a spirit does it have to be a, a certain rank whatever so there's a little section in there that explains you don't have to do this you can just say yeah i made a bargain with this guy and you don't have to actually care what kind of entity that is, but if you want to, here are the guidelines. So, um, so that's in there. And then, uh, like I said, entitlements are the next chapter. And then tokens at the end, we updated a couple of things from first edition that we didn't have room for in the core, including um, baubles and uh, trinkets. And then um, there's some new stuff in there too. That's uh, just interesting things you can do with tokens, and um, I hope people like it. I'm sure they will. I mean, people like 2E. It's it's one of my favorite second editions that we've done. And uh, 
I was like talking to you about Changeling because even when I first met you and it had just come out and even when I, you know, edited it before I met you, like you're always so passionate about it. Um, and I love talking to any of our devs who are passionate about their work. <laughs> that makes me <laughs> yeah, very no, happy. I, cool. Yeah, I love it. Um, so what, what about Kith and Ken? What can you tell us about that? So Kith and Ken is sort of like the player's guide, I guess. If okay. if the companion is sort of... Um, so I, this is the way I tend to look at it, is that the companion is the tier two book, if I'm, I'm putting that in like air quotes, but tier two being like sort of that middle ground organizational level of... Uh, of Chronicles of Darkness games, where it's not quite, you know, beginner street level, but it's not quite, you're not at the top of your power either, you're somewhere in the middle, or it's, you know, citywide or like regional, not global, kind of that in-between level. Um, right. And so that's how I look at, at Oak, Ash, and Thorn, is it's about freeholds and courts and, you know, uh, changelings coming together. So the Kith and Kin is more like the player's guide, and it's more the tier one book. It's focusing really on individual changelings, and their powers and um, their kits, obviously, and stuff like that. So it's got, now I have to remind myself. Okay. Obviously, it's got a chapter that's kits because that was the big thing that, uh, the other big thing we didn't have room for in the core was the huge breadth of kits that existed in first edition. Um, yeah, there's so many of them, yeah. Yeah. And so I want to say we have like a hundred of them or so. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say it's really a hundred. Wow. I don't think it is, but it's a lot. Um, the thing about kits in second edition is that we flesh them out more. So, uh, instead of just kind of being like a footnote to your seeming, it's a whole separate kind of almost additional splat for your character. Um, mm -hmm. and they come, you know, with mechanical bonuses and they have little stories behind them. And so each one is kind of more its own thing. Uh, and a, one of the big things, so... Um, in first edition, there were a lot of kiths that, because they were separated by seeming, um, they they were redundant. So we had, you know, the water kith for the fairest and the water kith for the elementals and the water kith for the beasts. Um, right. And so now that those two things are decoupled, we can say, well, there's one water kith and you combine it with your seeming to create those individual unique types. Which, which really makes more sense in the long run. I mean... Yeah. yeah, it's 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 better to do mix and match and use fewer words where you can use those words elsewhere, right? Than you know, say like here are the ten types for every single seeming and have that take up half the book, right? Yeah, so um, so there's that, but then there's there's other stuff in there too. There's a chapter on oaths. Um, there's a whole bunch of new different types of oaths that uh, we're introducing. There's um, a chapter on regalia. There's a whole bunch of new contracts in there. Um, and also some stuff about designing a new regalia. How do you, uh, thematically, I mean, because we have rules about writing contracts, like designing contracts in the core. But thematically, mm -hmm. how do you tie that together and create a regalia out of that? And then the first chapter, uh, I actually, I, I went out of order. But the first chapter in the book is kind of a changeling psychology chapter plus... Um, weird kinds of stories you can do so like mm -hmm. what happens when your changeling comes back from the hedge in space what does happen I, I, what, 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 what does happen when that happens <laughs> well, I'm, very, I'm very curious tell me now. more <laughs> uh, so there is the hedge in space <laughs> That's where you end up just like a random like box hedge just like a, a nice little like you know 
privet type edge just like floating like in the space 2001 by feet behind it you know <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> it got it got very like douglas adams terry pratchett in my brain for a minute there <laughs> yes right exactly <laughs> Um, so yeah, there's, there's that, and there's stuff like uh, what happens when you come back from the hedge a hundred years after you left. What happens when you come out of the hedge a hundred years before you were born? Um, just all of the weird stuff uh, is is covered in the first chapter, and then we have a little bit on, um, like I said, changeling psychology. What is it actually like to be a changeling and to have your life kind of defined by the weird and and how that plays out day to day. Okay, just because you just mentioned coming out 100 years before you were born, all I want now is a changeling that has figured out how to navigate the hedge to resurrect a mummy over and over again at different points in time. Yes! This is my changeling mummy crossover. That's Uh, awesome. That would be super fun because there's like this changeling who leads a cult of of mummy cultists and like their entire purpose is just to bounce in and out of the hedge and figure out how to... uh, raise raise their their mummy and and keep doing weird mummy things sweet it'd be the best doctor who ever right yeah it would be like it'd be like <laughs> evil totally doctor, doctor who ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's my companion <laughs> especially if they put the mummy in different bodies right because oh doctor who oh my See? god <laughs> Meg's thinking about this now. <laughs> I am. I'm thinking about this. I mean, everything comes back to Doctor Who really in the end. So Exactly, right? All stories of Doctor Who. <laughs> I mean, Doctor Who can be all stories, so why not? Exactly. Anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. I got really excited about that idea, and I had to no, spit it out fine. there. That's who I am as a person. Um, I have no filter. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's pretty much it. I can't. I mean, there might be some stuff in there that I'm missing, but those are the major bits of the book um i mean the the contracts and the kits take up a big chunk of chapter space so that's that's a lot of what's in there um so yeah well in that case speaking of mummy because i just segued right into it um mummy is on kickstarter right now yes it is i know you worked on it Woohoo! go back mummy so i don't know if if you want to talk about any of your work on it or just about what you maybe like about the new edition people are already getting manuscript previews and we we talked at length about it with matthew recently on an episode so i mean feel free to say as little or as much as you want but i know that you've been a bit of a cheerleader for it in the slack channel and for changing some of the stuff around and you know just making it a good second edition yeah um so i'm i mean i'm i'm sure i'm not going to say anything matthew didn't already say but um you might it's possible. Um, I wrote the guilds, uh, the updated guilds for second edition. It's it's actually, I did the same thing I did on Contagion Chronicle. Matthew uh, did the same thing where he asked me to write the splats before we actually started the rest of the book. Oh, um, yeah, I totally forgot we did that. Yeah. But you definitely um, did that. <laughs> yeah, well, we did it on Contagion. And then uh, he said, well, that worked really well. Let's do it on Mummy. So we did. Um, so I wrote the guilds before the rest of the book was written so that you know, everything else could tie back to them because they're so central um, mm-hmm. to the game. And um, a lot of what we wanted to change about the guilds was just their accessibility for actual playability at the table. Yeah, because, I, I, mean, I know the, that we talked about that a lot during the outline process since yeah. I was still like pretty heavily involved in that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like a lot of our outline process for Mummy 2E was brainstorming just ways to make it a little bit more engaging for some of the guilds and stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I mean, the the lore was all there, and it's all really fascinating. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was always my favorite part of First Edition Mummy, was just all of the really interesting deep lore. Um, so really what I did was I went back to the First Edition guilds and kind of teased out all of the stuff that made for good playable characters, like what does my character actually do as a member of this guild? Um, right. And what does, what does being a member of a guild actually mean? We realized that it didn't actually make a ton of sense um, just the, the way that mummies work and kind of the way that, especially second edition, um, with the whole Timeless Chronicle thing, mm-hmm. it didn't make a ton of sense for guilds to be actual organizations that you could, like, have a hierarchy in. Right. Um, so it's more like the, that sort of focus on artisanship and, and practical, you know, I am an architect and I make buildings and that's what I do was really more of who you were back in Irem or Irem. I don't know how to pronounce that. I think everybody said it differently so far. It's kind of the, like, Zmiche of, of mommy. Oh, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> you mean Zmiche. Gotcha. No, I mean Zmiche. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know how to pronounce that one either. <laughs> That's because no one does. <laughs> but, um, no, uh, I think I lean towards Irem. And I think that I've heard Matthew say it differently. I, it doesn't matter. Irem. Okay. Well, whatever. Irem. Irem. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, the shift, it's a little bit of shift in focus. So that, that more sort of practical thing, like I'm literally a scribe and I literally write things down all the time. And that's what I do, um, was really more what you did back then. Then, so the guilds now are a little bit more like, well, you dedicated your soul, your life and your soul to this calling kind of right and so that calling follows you throughout all of your lives even if you're not literally sitting there creating buildings you're still doing the kinds of things that influence the world to be more like Aram. Mm-hmm. that was just it was really fun um kind of going through and pulling out the bits that stood out as like we could use this and then expand on it and that kind of thing um and then actually Maybe my my favorite part of that, though, was Matthew said, we want to do minor guilds. Uh, And I said, all right, cool. What kind of minor guilds? And he said, go nuts. Um, (laughs) I was like, cool. Okay. So, uh, and unfortunately, we didn't have the space to really flesh them out fully. Um, but there, there's seeds in there and we're hoping that at some point, maybe a stretch goal or something, um, we can flesh them out some more. That's that was what Matthew said, but, um, yeah, the minor guilds were really cool. They were a lot of fun to come up with, like, to think that the, we know what the guilds were back in Irem, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of empty space in our knowledge of what, what things were like and what the Shaniatu's magic was like and what they did. So mm-hmm. kind of the minor guilds kind of fit into the gaps of like, what if there was another guild, another major guild at some point, and then it fell? Or right. what if somebody tried to duplicate what the Shaniatu did and fucked it up? Or um, what if somebody really wanted to be a major guild, so they like snuck into the right of return and and it went poorly um, and stuff like that. Like what would come out of that? And so that's kind of what I did with the minor guilds, where they're not really um, yes, this is another artisan type or something. It's more like how did we get this kind of mummy as opposed to this other kind of mummy? Um, so yeah, uh, that right. was super fun. That's really cool. I mean, you know, g- guilds and, and, and splats in general are obviously 
I'd say probably the main thing that informs most people when they're building a Chronicles character. Because mm-hmm. uh, generally people kind of gravitate toward whatever X-plat, Y-splat, Z-splat they're interested in, and then they kind of build backward from there. I mean, obviously sometimes you come in with a personality, but then there's often a certain splat that matches that personality the best. Yeah. That's always a really cool thing to be able to write and also just to see people create. Yeah. Because, yeah, like... That, that's something that we, we talked about a lot when we were brainstorming Mummy 2E, like I said, and then to see the way that you kind of flesh it out. I haven't, like, fine-tooth comb read all of it yet, um, just because I might be editing it, so I don't want to do that to myself. <laughs> uh, but it's it's really, really very cool, and everything that I have seen has been awesome. The Slack has been super excited, um, and of course it just exploded back up today <laughs> since today is when we started the kickstarter because i already dated this episode with the football reference so who cares um <laughs> it is at least going out this week so as, as a time of recording we're actually almost funded which is awesome yes um i expect it to be maybe by midnight who knows well we'll, we'll have to see um yeah, it's only it's only 85 percent right now so yeah i mean we're doing pretty well but we're we're pretty close to funding and so i'm assuming that by friday when this goes out we'll be uh poking at some stretch goals hopefully Yes. And if so, hopefully we can get more of those minor guilds that uh, Megan was talking about. That would be awesome. Because, you know, everybody likes to play their kind of weirdo side splats or side side guilds or whatever when you can or when when, when yeah. that's presented. And then also being able to even, like, make your own is really cool. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's exciting. I love stretch goals. I love Kickstarters. They're really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, although, of course, because we, we launched Kickstarter today, I had that hour or two of time where I was just looking at the Kickstarter and not doing any work because <laughs> right. every yeah. time one of us launches one of our Kickstarters that's what you do you just sit and press F5 for an hour yeah pretty much and like you know answer questions on the discord if anybody has them and like answer questions on the comments if anybody has them yeah. Uh, but yeah I just sit there and kind of watch watch the numbers go for a few minutes and I tweet about it and yeah it's a cool. whole process. Speaking of recent Kickstarters and Chronicles books, uh, we did just have our su- successful Kickstarter for Deviant the Renegades. Yes. Um, which I have been, you know, obviously familiar with for a while, but I got to play it with Megan at Midwinter last year, which I talked about a little bit on here. Um, and Megan uh, worked on that as well. Yeah. So what... What are you excited about when it comes to Deviant? What what bits did you work on for that? Or what did you really like about it, et cetera? Um, so for Deviant, I wrote The Scars. And uh, I ended up... So Eric, obviously, is a developer now. But originally, Dave was... You know, he started as the developer with Eric. Yeah. And so originally, um, Eric is, uh, also wrote The Powers. And so the variations... Mm-hmm. And uh, so I actually worked very closely with Eric on that because obviously, you know, the, the variations in the scars are are a package deal. Um, and so they had we had to make sure that they worked together in in a way that created the kind of play experience that Deviant was after. Right. Um, and so I also did uh, I ran that game at Midwinter, but I also ran my own playtest um, when Eric put out the playtest documents. Oh, right, right. Uh, I did a playtest with my own group at home, and um, that was really fun. I gotta, I gotta say, it was so. All the Chronicles of Darkness games are dark, right? Deviant is really dark. <laughs> um, I mean, you you definitely can if what you want is just like a a little bit of a light lighter hearted, like more of an actiony punch Nazis game. You can do that, mm-hmm. um, but. 
all of my players immediately gravitated toward the most like heart-wrenching drama filled scars they possibly could yes (laughs) it was amazing yes Um, please please hurt yourself on our game (laughs) now yeah Whoa. Well, Whoa. I don't actually want anybody to be hurt, obviously. <laughs> no, like, don't don't actually no. do that. When when you make these characters, you kind of know like if especially if you go for some of the more high powered variations, like you, you are screwing them. Like you are making their life miserable. Oh um, yeah. And the more the more powerful you make them, the more miserable you make them. Right. Um, it's so great. <laughs> yeah, if you if you look at the the splats once once more of the art starts coming out, I I didn't draw or not draw I didn't draw any of them. Um, <laughs> I didn't write the art notes for any of them to look particularly happy. <laughs> Let's <Right>. say <laughs> I love the idea that your art notes are just all this person is miserable. There there was a lot. <laughs> Make them suffer. I'm pretty sure I used the word haunted more than once. You know, like <laughs> this person is suffering 24 seven. Go. There's a there's a guy who literally has you know bony spines bursting out of him. It doesn't look comfortable. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a very emaciated young woman leaning on crutches that looks just horrified. Um. For the record, if anybody sees that, she's not supposed to, you know, have like an eating disorder or anything. She's supposed to be telepathic and then zapping all of her strength. It's pretty cool. cool. But but yeah, yeah, so I mean, it, it, it's definitely um, probably the least cheerful art notes I've had to put in for a lot of things. Because <laughs> like, if you look at uh, if you look at Changing the Lost 2E, for instance, there are quite a few of them look, you know, okay with who they are. Like, they look happy. There's that one like kind of yeah. funky one. Yeah. There, you know, there are a few of them. I don't. I think one of the only deviant ones that looks happy is one of the the volunteers. Um, <laughs> right, <laughs> but he still looks creepy. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So so I did that play test, and um, I, I actually had uh, some long conversations with Eric back and forth on the play test feedback and how we could tweak scars and variations and how they went together. Um, and so when I did my final draft of the scars, it was. Uh, kind of Eric had a lot of notes and he was like, you know, here's how things turned out in my preliminary playtest. Do the final draft and then we'll playtest that and then we'll make some more changes. So I thought the, the playtest feedback was really helpful, both my group and the other groups that did the playtests. Um, and Eric and I worked closely together to make sure that that the scars were working as intended. Um, Eric came up with this genius idea to solve one of the problems we were having. He, you know, we were talking about, well, how do we make this happen? How do we make that happen? And he was like, wait, wait. What if we did this? And I was like, oh, it was uh, what we call deviations. Mm-hmm. Really streamlined everything a lot. Um, and so I was like, ooh, let me take that and run. And then um, we, we went through everything and, and redid it a couple of times. We did, had a bunch of drafts, and um, I just really liked the way it came out. That's awesome. I always love to hear it when stuff is like really collaborative, too. You know, like that, that generally makes yeah. for a better book. Um, yeah. That's why I'm, I'm always happy to see the various like slacks that we're all in talking or even just having like like you and I get together sometimes and just like having a chat with a couple of other developers can be really helpful. 
Um, yeah, I am looking forward totally. to that at, at various conventions coming up because that's always, I mean, I love talking to the fans and I love seeing games run and I love playing games and I love walking on the vendor hall, but I also just love talking to other people in the games industry since most of us work remotely, so we don't see each other very often. Yeah, I mean, that's, and that's the thing. Like, my favorite part of conventions is just hanging out with all of you because I never get to see you. Yeah, like, um, like I'm going to see Danielle in like three days. I'm pretty excited about oh, that. Oh, sweet. Yeah, Metatopia. That's, is that Metatopia? Yeah. And actually, uh, at the time of this recording dropping, I'll be seeing everybody in like four or five hours. So, sweet. super cool. Well, I think yeah. that's, is that most of the Chronicles work? You're, no, we haven't talked about Mage yet. Oh my God, Megan, <laughs> you do too many books. Um, so other Chronicle of Narrowness stuff, uh, Megan also worked on Nate Harder's Nameless and Accursed for Mage the Awakening. Um, and you, you worked on Signs of Sorcery too, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Which is also recently released. I don't know why I asked that. I know for a fact you work on Signs of Sorcery. I'm, <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to cover my butt yeah. just in case I say something wrong. Uh, but yes, yeah, so you worked <laughs> on a couple things from Age of the Awakening, and also we kind of quietly put out there that you know since since the Brookshaw stepped back on some things, Megan is taking over development duties for any future Mage books we might do. Um, mm-hmm. Because Megan, for some reason, Megan and Neil and all of them just fucking love Mage of the Awakening. No, it's actually a really, oh, really yeah. good line. Um, but I, I, I definitely was introduced to it kind of backwards via jerk-ass Acanthus memes. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, well, I blame Neil for that. I, I blame all of you. I was looking at Slack <laughs> with y'all, and it was just constant jerk-ass Acanthus, and I was like, I don't... Okay. And then I went and read a lot of it, and I was like, oh, yeah, I get it. I get it. Okay. Um... <laughs> But yeah, so how were those? Is there anything super cool and nameless and accursed you want to talk about since that's not quite through layout yet? So not everybody has seen it yet? Yeah. Um, so, uh, well, I guess just in general, the whole mage thing. Um, so you said I was passionate about Changeling. I am definitely passionate about Changeling, but I am going to admit now, uh, <gasps> mage is my favorite game. <laughs> oh my God. We got an exclusive, everybody. <laughs> Our Changeling, Exalted, um, Scion, everything else developer likes Mage the Awakening the best. It's true. She said it here. It's true. Wait, I'm so is it, is it your favorite Chronicles game or is it just your favorite game? I think it's just my favorite game, honestly. Wow. wow. That's awesome, yeah, actually. Well, kudos to Dave Brickshaw yeah. in second edition. Like, Kudos to, yeah. me, to everyone that's, 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 that's worked on Mage the Awakening over the years. That's That's awesome. But yeah, you know, otherwise, screw Deviant, screw Changeling, no, screw Scions, No, I love them all. Else. Just, just, I have a special place in my heart for Mage. I, um, I've been playing Mage the longest of all of them. It was the first Chronicles game I played. Uh, and just, I mean, so I love, I did love first edition. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, it was first edition and it had a lot of first edition-ish stuff in it. Um, which, you know, it was, I loved it. It was still great, but mm-hmm the Chronicles of Darkness in general, you know, obviously we learned over time, you know, what works better and, and stuff like that. And so um, I just got to, I got to shout out Dave here. Dave Brookshaw, for those of you who don't know, is just an amazing game designer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a vastly intelligent dude with so much interesting information in his brain. I just love working with him and I love what he did with Mage Second Edition. Uh, and so... You know, when I got a chance to work with him on Signs of Sorcery, I was ecstatic. And then, you know, we, we've talked about it a lot. Um, and I really, I want to just thank you, Dave, if you're listening to this, um, for recommending me for 
to develop this line because I love it so much. So thank you. I recall you. correctly, uh, you were the only oh. person he wanted to work on it besides him. <laughs> 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 he was very like... Megan Fitzgerald or bust, you know, like, oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm super honored. Um, but yeah, so Nameless and Accursed, uh, I think it's going to be really cool. It's it takes it's about mage antagonists, like antagonists who are themselves mages. Um, and it's really very much the dark mirror. Oh, this is what I could become if my hubris gets out of control or if, you know, I I screw up one too many times or whatever. Um, if I dabble too too much in things I'm I really shouldn't, uh, this could happen to me. And so that's kind of the angle of that book is um, when you really want to stick it to your players and say, hey, you know, here's here's the real horror of Mage. Because I know a lot of people will sometimes say, oh, well, Mage isn't really a horror game, which is so weird to me. Uh, it's just a different kind of horror, but to me, it's it's very much a horror game. And one of the things that's so horrific about the idea of being this person who not only has you know reality shaking power, but believes that the more power they get, literally the more enlightened they get. Right. So the just the idea of that, like how many different ways can you fuck that up? And the answer is a lot. Well, yeah, like. <laughs> I am very much like, when it comes to things that freak me out, it's definitely almost never supernatural stuff. It's more like what lurks within the human psyche mm -hmm. and, you know, all the various ways that can get twisted and, and bad things can happen to people. Uh, yeah. So, like, I'm, I, I'm much more of a true crime serial killer kind of, like, they, like things I'm scared of than I am, you know, a, a witch that can turn you into right, yeah. an animal. Like... That's still scary, but my 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 brain doesn't parse it the same way because my my brain is like, well, that's fiction, you know. Right. Um, yeah. and I I had a conversation the other day with somebody about Kilgrave from Jessica Jones, oh, and yeah. about how like it's 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 hard to imagine having that much power that you can't really control that you don't really yeah. like. If if people just always do what you say, then you're probably going to become a monster, even completely in, in, inadvertently. Yeah, I mean, even if you have no intent, like, there's a line somewhere in there where he's like, I never know if people are doing something because they want to or not. I have no way yeah. of knowing. Yeah. And that, that's terrifying. <laughs> right. And like, that's kind of how I feel when we talk about things like, like mages from, from any of these lines getting to a point where they're too powerful to really understand how shitty they're being. Yeah. Because they're like, well, I'm the smartest person here because I'm the most powerful. So clearly whatever I'm doing is correct. Right. Um, and that's that's very scary to me in a way that a werewolf is not. Yeah, low wisdom mages are a thing. <laughs> and uh, so that's um, Nameless and Accursed is all of those kinds of mages that you can run into who are antagonistic for one reason or another. Mm -hmm. uh, so the first chapter is your, your regular everyday mages. There's nothing like changed about them fundamentally they're just you know antagonistic for whatever reason um so there's pinnacle mages in there and there's seer mages in there and then there's some nameless order uh, or well some nameless mages some of them are in a nameless order some of them not um who aren't there's nothing fundamentally corrupt about their awakenings or about them they're just antagonistic for some reason right uh and then i know i'm gonna forget the order that these go in but we have celesti who are the 
mages who tap into the abyss on purpose. Mm-hmm. We've got the Wrapped, which used to be called the Mad back in first edition that we changed it, who are mages who drop to wisdom zero and just lose all control of their magic. And we've got the Tremere, uh, who are reaper liches that eat souls and use them to power their magic. And they have houses which are like legacies, but not legacies. They actually eat legacies. You know, like you do. Like you do. Yeah, you just consume <laughs> legacies. It's a thing. Um, <laughs> um, no, the Tremere are very cool. And uh, actually, um, so in first edition, Malcolm Shepard wrote the Tremere. And then in second edition, Malcolm Shepard wrote the Tremere. Um, that all tracks. And yeah, no, it's they're just amazing. I, he did it. I love Malcolm's work. Uh, it's so good. And um, I know I'm going to forget something. That's okay. Guess what? No one can fact check you. It's a podcast. <laughs> is, is that podcast law? Like, no one can well, I mean, they can say they can correct me in the comments, but they can't change what this recording sounds like. So, I don't know. oh, I see what you're saying. True. I thought I was like going. I'm sorry, it's on a podcast now. It's official. No one can ever fact Actually, check. Actually, <laughs> uh, one of my favorite other podcasts that I mentioned on here before, Punch Up the Jam. One of the hosts' uh, mantras is "Don't fact check me." So whenever somebody mm-hmm. does fact check her, uh, either on Twitter or on Reddit or whatever, she just gets in the comments and she's like, "What did I say?" And then she just leaves. <laughs> I'm like, we just talked about I'm this. like, I love that energy. Like, that, hey, I said don't fact check me, so don't fact check me. Anyway, there's a lot of cool stuff in there. Yeah, it's it's going to be awesome. I really, I really hope people like it. And I have to say, the art notes were really fun to do, too. I love seeing art notes for Night Horrors books because, um, you know, everyone does different versions of it. Like, Matthew does a lot of body horror for Forsaken. Yeah. Um, the Promethean ones were super fun because we had the like Zeki and all the kind of just weird Prometheans that are in there. Um, yeah. And I didn't really look at the the, the art notes from Nameless and Curse, but I am excited to see what comes out of them. Me too. I've, I'm really excited to see the art. Isn't it really fun just to like shoot art notes off into the ether and then just like see it happen, you know, oh. months later? It's mm. so cool. Like, okay, the first time I ever saw a piece of art that went with something I wrote. I like freaked out. It's the coolest thing. I, I guess that there's there's only been really one of those for me so far, unless you got the Pirates of Pugmire character creation stuff, which I kind of do, but also like a lot of that was to outline. But when like I worked on Witch Queen of the Shadowed Citadel for Cavaliers, and it's only got a couple of illustrations in it because it's, it's a very small book. Um, but the whole thing I wrote kicked off with me writing about the Great Machine, which is this just weird Martian thing I envisioned. And then an, an, an artist drew it. And I was like, what? That's the first time I've just like come up with something out of like whole cloth. And mm. an artist drew it. And because of that, I'm also really excited to see what the art looks like for Scion Demigod when they do any of the Underworlds. Because even if they just illustrate one of them, that's freaking cool to me because I wrote them. You know? Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting uh i don't know it's an inter- it's like commissioning an artist except you didn't have to commission the artist yeah <laughs> yeah exactly um yeah so I, yeah i'm and speaking of actually looking at art that came out of my art notes um i'm we're proofing dark errors 2 right now right oh and the, the art is so amazing good. yes also i know you were posting one of the mummy pieces earlier in the slack oh yeah one of the ones from the mm-hmm. kickstarter there's some it's gorgeous so good. art. I actually, I had a lot of trouble picking which of my chapters in Dark Earth 2 I thought had the best art because they were all so good. I think the French Revolution might win because the art for that one was just absolutely amazing. Awesome. 
I love that part of the process. And like, I know that that's, that's gotta be fun for you too, Megan, because you said before that like, art notes aren't always your favorite part of the process because you're not as visual. You're more of a, of a words person. Yeah. So you, you write a little bit lighter than some of us do, which means that you get a little bit more surprised when your art comes back, which is awesome. Yeah, no, it's it's fun. And like, I, there are definitely times when I'm like, I mean, I've even had Mike email me and say, hey, what exactly were you envisioning here for this thing? And I'm like, I didn't. I, I want the artist to come up with something because I don't know. And it's always awesome. I'm never disappointed. So yeah, because you've you've had to do quite a few for your 100 Devils, Night Parade and Adversaries of the Righteous. Oh, um, yeah. And a lot of weird creatures and stuff. So some of which are based on older Exalted Edition things, so there are references. And some of which are based on real-world creatures, there are references. But then some of them are just, I don't know, it's a spirit thing, and it looks like this, and it has a bunch of arms and maybe knives? I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, there was one... I forget what it's called now, I'm blanking on the name. But there was one where, like, my art notes were like, I don't know how you're gonna do this. <laughs> it's just a mass of, like, whispers... Oh yeah, and that one was. Cool, I though. really don't know how to express what this looks like to you, because I have no idea. So make something up. Yeah, sometimes you just um, want to be wow. like, "Hey, just read this text and write what you see in your brain." <laughs> yeah, because sometimes I just don't. I I will say, um, I was very detailed in the art notes for mage stuff because of all the runes that have to get right. Uh, they're specific and. I oh, actually, yeah. I love, that was really fun um, because I'm a nerd. And so I love the high speech runes and I love putting them together and say, you know, figuring out like, if I put this rune, this rune, this rune together, it means this thing because they mean things. Um, and, you know, figuring out, okay, this mage in this piece of art is supposed to be casting this spell. So here's the rune that they would have. And it was just really a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's, that's, that's really fun. Yeah, for for Deviant, I was only really specific in the fact that I needed them all to like. I just wanted to showcase diversity in body type and ability mm -hmm. and gender and race. So yeah. that's the only reason I was like really specific in some of those. But even then, a lot of times, like I didn't really describe what a lot of them were wearing too much because I was like, I don't know, they're wearing jeans and a shirt. They're a person. I don't know. Yeah. They're wearing a military uniform. I don't know. You know, they're wearing a yeah. ripped up shirt and leggings. Eh, whatever. Um, the the interesting one so samaria does a lot of our uh, chapter fiction art for chronicles books that's just a, a very mm -hmm. common thing all those all those kind of creepy abstract pieces that everybody sees all the time those are all one mm -hmm. artist and uh eddie wrote the chapter fiction for deviant and it's really good and i super enjoyed it but i fell into the trap of at least three of my art notes were like one dude yelling at other dude <laughs> Which does happen a couple times in the story. It always makes sense in the context, it and it needs to happen. But it didn't make sense for art notes. So I find, like, so Sam was just finally like, can I just see the chapters? I'm like, yeah, sure, please. If you have a better idea, I would much rather you do something cool than yeah. have three different illustrations that are dude yelling at other dude. Because I didn't even realize I had done it to that degree. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 the same trap that we fall into when every now and then somebody will send us an adventure for one of our games and there's like eight scenes of someone just talking. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like, but they should be doing something. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what I did wrong here. But yeah. But yeah. all the chapter no, fiction art we looks were... really cool. Yeah. No, um, I think we were talking about that in the Exalted Slack not that long ago about how, uh, you know, whether we, like, 
I think Eric was talking about whether he wanted to base the art notes on the fiction or base the fiction on like a cool visual idea because the the fiction there was one piece of fiction where it was really interesting social stuff going on but visually it was literally two people sitting in a tea house like talking to each other and mm-hmm. they were trying to figure right. out how to make that visually interesting and i was like well i sure don't know how to do that i i think artists definitely do um but we were ta- kind of just talking about that process like would it make more sense sometimes to kind of tailor the fiction specifically to something that we know will look visually interesting later on. That is actually a, a big thing. Uh, and so something I've learned because uh, I think it's something we all go through. It's like when I first started developing, I was the same problem. It's like, here's two people talking in a room. There's two more people talking in a room. And, and I realized that especially working on things like vampire, where there is a social component, um, you have to have some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've learned a couple of tricks since then, which is that either having something happening between the two people, uh, a, a certain amount of my art pieces, which involve a person shoving something across the table to another person, like money or oh, something. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Or a, mm-hmm. a case. Um, yeah. Another, or is if two people are talking, have a third person doing something else interesting in the background, like working ominously, pulling out a gun, dancing a jig on a shoving table. someone away. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, like you do. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I, I think this is awkward because you're right. It's like there's certain parts of the game where you want to have a, a, a visual connection to it. But if it's just people talking, you need to have something else going on. But another piece of it is, you're right, I mean, honestly, the fiction should be rewritten in ways to have more visual components to then build art off of, too. I mean, if, if fiction's really good, though, I'm totally fine having the artist just kind of go ham with the art piece if they need to and take, like, a couple of liberties. Because, like, it, it, sure. it, it doesn't bother me in the slightest if the art and the text don't match precisely. I know that some of our exalted developers don't quite feel that way. <laughs> Um, I'm always just kind of like, it's fine, guys, it's fine. Like, there was a discussion about an art piece recently where there was a lunar and they were like, oh, you, sh- you-, you should be able to see her tell. Can we, like, add that in? Her, like, shadow tell. And I just I- got in there and I said, look at the art, the light source is from behind them. We're not doing that. <laughs> like, yep. like, they're standing in front of a window. You can't see her shadow. <laughs> so, no. Uh, I'm not making the artist yep. redo the whole thing. It's not that important. They'll figure it out. I would say sometimes uh, the art also depends uh, on it's, it's more of a, of a thematic or emotional resonance than a literal resonance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know when I was working with Rich on V uh, twenty way back in the day, um, we commissioned some new pieces. Um, the time from the time we commissioned the pieces to the time we got them, there's a bit of a lag, and so I've forgotten what order they went in initially. <laughs> Rich like, which piece goes with this? And I'm like, I don't remember. And Rich like, I'm gonna take some stabs at it. Um, and so he actually inadvertently swaps the uh, ghoul, one of the ghoul pieces with one of the feeding pieces, and they actually worked much better the other way around. It's like they weren't exactly what I wrote, but then when you flip them around, it's actually it, it resonates so much more because the feeding piece is about one person kind of subjugating another person. Originally, it was going to be feeding scene, but actually, that works better for the ghoul thing now. So, I mean, there's times where it just makes more sense for kind of what this text is trying to get to supposed to being a little representation of what's happening it may actually work better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can totally see that. Um, and that's, that's a cool thing to think about. I think it is. It's yeah. I kind of, I feel both ways about it, but also I think it depends on the book too. Cause like for changeling definitely sure. if it's something that, you know, it's almost abstract, but it really evokes the feeling that you're going for or the, you know, the theme you're going for that's really cool. Mm-hmm. But for something like, you know, 100 Devils, you know, I want this creature to look like the creature it's supposed to be. 
um, and the all of the art notes, uh, art notes, all of the art for Hundred Devils and Adversaries has been amazing. Has it? I love it. I love it. Um, but my favorite thing was when I did the uh, the elephant art, and I was like, I have to put in the art notes. There's this ability that they have to like take their trunk. And this is based on real life, by the way. Just, just you know, if you ever <laughs> run into a war elephant. They grab somebody with their trunk, toss them up in the air so that they can impale them on their their tusks. What? That's terrifying. <laughs> I was like, this is That's ridiculous. Um, I love it. And I was like, well, I have to put that in the art notes. And so that that's what's going on in the art. And um, I was really happy that it came out, you know, just, just the way I wanted. That's pretty but, great. Um, but yeah, actually, and the thing about having people talking in art too is sometimes it works out fine because I felt like one of the tricks that I did, I mean, I guess we'll see how it turned out because I haven't seen the art yet, but um, for Nameless and Accursed, the opening fiction is is mostly two people talking. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least the at least the most emotional beats are two people talking. And um, so I was like, well, I kind of want... I kind of want the scene where they're just sitting there talking because that's the real crux of the piece. But I chose specifically the moment where there's magic going on. That's like the, that is really the, the key, the magic that's happening. Right. And so the, the little details of like what's going on, what they're talking about and what she's doing with this book they have between them um, is really the important part there. And uh, I know that kind of stuff is fun, like figuring out, you know, what details can I include to really make this express what I want it to express. Totally. Mm-hmm. We don't have a lot of time left. We've been talking for a while and because we're, we're all excited about our projects. Um, so I'm not going to go into Cyan Companion too hard right now since we uh, worked on, since we, we, we talk, talked about that in the, in the deep dive with Neil. Um, cool. So I'm yeah. just not even gonna bother you with it right now. People want to ask you questions okay. about that. They got questions somewhere else. I will let you promote threefold. So okay. go ahead, talk about it. <laughs> okay. So for those of you who don't know, I think actually the first interview we did, I was like, "Modern Age, go check out Modern Age." Well, yeah, I think so. In, right. in the interim, um, I've also worked on threefold with uh, developed, created, and developed by Malcolm Shepard um, for Green Ronin, and. Uh, it's a setting for modern age. It's it's a one of those like I think Malcolm said something like I'm bringing big setting back. Um, it's a huge multi-planar, multi-genre, really cool setting for modern age. It has you know specific kinds of powers and um, organizations you can join and different you know like the ways the metaphysics work that create play experiences very cool mm-hmm. uh, i guess the basic gist is your uh the default play experience is you're a member of the sodality which is basically kind of like multi-planar starfleet there's i'm already you're going around and exploring new planes and cataloging them and f- discovering cool new things um and interacting with the various types of people that you find there and uh, you know, dealing with weird problems because Earth doesn't have as much magic as as other planes do. But there mm-hmm. are some planes that are really high magic. And then there are some planes where it's like angels and demons and psychic power. And so just 
going around and exploring all of these really cool places and dealing with the problems you find there in, in kind of a very Star Trek sliders sort of style. Yeah, it's just super cool. Everything that I've heard about it from you and Malcolm and Neil and everybody has sounded really, really awesome. I haven't gotten to play it or really look through the book yet, although I'm hoping that I will at some point. Um, but yeah, like everything I've heard about it has been fantastic. So, and it's it's gotten really, like, it's been pretty well received from what I've seen, uh, which is Good. awesome. Yay. Cool. I'm glad. I, I was really excited for it to come out so that I could talk to people about it and gush. <laughs> so. Don't I know that feeling? Horrible. Like, I can't tell you how many times, like, for my L5R work, for instance, I'm, like, Googling the name of the book going, like, have they announced this book yet? Because <laughs> I want to talk, talk about, about it because it was a really cool book, but I can't talk about it until they announce it. And they, they're, like, the opposite of us in that they go through their entire process all the way to final proof before they announce the book usually oh because then they announce it and say it's coming out next month right um which is fine it's it's a very different way of working they're a a much larger company under asmodee um yeah so like it's it's so frustrating because i'm so used to onyx path where it's like oh once it's in first drafts we can pretty much talk about it you know not like everything but we can talk about the basics about it um yeah and then yeah doing stuff for fantasy flight i'm like have they announced this book yet they announced this book yet i want to talk about this (laughs) book i worked on it's a really cool book (laughs) <laughs> yeah so yeah no i i feel your pain of like wanting it to come out just so you could talk about it more i definitely mm-hmm. get that well yeah but there's also there's three three one two three i think there's three secret projects that i'm working on right now that i can't talk about <laughs> yeah people will find out about one of them in pax unplugged that's, that's all i'm gonna say yeah. um but there's yeah there's two two onyx path ones and one non-onyx path one yeah, well, one of the Annex Path ones, we'll talk about it, Pax Unplugged. That's all I'm going to say cool. about that. Yeah. Yep. Um, right. Speaking of Pax Unplugged, if you want to play games with Megan or me or Eddie or a bunch of other Onyx Path folks, because I'm not going to sit here and try to list who all's coming because it's most of us, you should show you should. up to Pax Unplugged in Philadelphia the first full weekend of December. I think it's the 6th through 8th. It is a super fun show. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a Pax show, but without the video game content for the most part. Uh, every year it's gotten better and it's only in its third year <laughs> but I've yeah. had fun every year like I've been to first year cons before and granted it's a PAX convention so they're not a first year con they they know what they're doing um, but you always feel a little bit nervous like, about like the attendance and this one's always just been great like I, I love PAX Unplugged also last year there was a bat in the dealer room and I was really excited about that like an actual live bat <laughs> and I tried to catch it was. and I could not because um, I wanted to go outside because it was obviously sad <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry there was a bat it happened i can't get over it i love my packs bat forever it goes back to the beginning of the show it's like cats dogs and bats you have to stop and yeah we've stopped and acknowledged the bat it's cool <laughs> <laughs> I, I i just stop and acknowledge my cat several times we were recording because my roommates aren't home which means that he's coming to me for all the attention and i'm sitting mm, here which... like no nobody nope i gotta gotta do this recording right now sorry bud Uh, So Megan's going to stay with us through the outro, and since we haven't gone completely terribly off topic yet, let's talk about our love for Fire Emblem Three Houses for about five minutes. Oh my god, Three Houses. Oh my god, Fire Emblem Three Houses. (laughs) (laughs) All of us love it. Um, I personally have about 112 hours in at this point, Mm -hmm. um, because I did Crimson Flower and then Azure Moon, now I'm doing Verdant Winds. Um, Okay, yeah, no, so so if you could see me right now, I'm doing... I'm doing the deer antlers. Fear the deer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Golden deer, man. 
so I am I'm loving my Golden Deer playthrough, but I think it's because like it's been partially because I, I do like the characters, although Black Eagles were my anxiety babies and I, I will love them forever. Um oh, God, But yeah. like Golden Deer, I think I'm enjoying this playthrough a lot partially just because two two reasons. One, of course, it's my second new game plus. So I've got every student you could possibly recruit. Um, right. Which is super cool. In fact, the thing I'm saddest about in this game is that I will never, ever, ever have Claude, Dadu, and Hubert in the same house. Right. Um, and they're all my boyfriends. Yeah. Um, yes. But but yeah, so yeah. I'm also enjoying it more because I feel like the Golden Deer route is the one that actually gives you the most of the story, like all the all the secrets yeah. and stuff. Oh, yeah. really? And so doing it yeah. third is really great because I feel like I've been slowly uncovering the story with every run I do. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, I was talking to somebody I don't remember who um, who was saying they thought there was a like a an intended order that you were supposed to do them in, and Verdant Wind was supposed to come last. I don't know if that's true. Um, and I did Verdant Wind first, and I haven't finished any of the other ones. I started Blue Lions and I started Black Eagles. Actually, I haven't finished either of them yet, um, and so I'm not sure. But uh, oh, and I haven't done Silver Snow yet either. Um, I haven't done that one yet either. Yeah, so uh, this game, God, the replayability, like, I swear, it's, so I, I, it's the first game I've ever wanted to replay, like, five times. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not a big replayer, uh, aside from things like Skyrim, which you can just start a new game and fuck off across the map and do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, even, like, one of my all-time favorite games, which is, you know, Borderlands 2, as everybody who's listened to this has heard me talk about, like, I don't replay it very often. I might go do the DLC, but I, I, I very, very rarely, like, go and replay BL2. I'll, like, jump on with a friend sometimes, you know, whatever. But I haven't played the whole game through unless unless somebody's playing it with me. And this game, right. I'm not even a big JRPG fan. And, like, I played the first route. I went the weird alternate route, apparently. But that's fine. I didn't Same. care because I wanted to do it that way. And then I went, like, the, like, first New Game Plus I did. I did the kind of polar opposite route of that one. And so now I feel like I'm doing the kind of middle ground route and they're all really interesting and you meet interesting characters, all of them, and you get different backstories and like you can skip the stuff you've seen before if you want to. But yeah, like, and you get then you get different supports all the time because the house leader is always different. So they have different supports right. with everybody. Yeah. Um, and you can get different paired endings for all the characters and, and I have a lot of ships in that game. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, no, uh, same. Oh, yeah. I have, I have a whole fleet. A whole fleet it's, of ships. <laughs> yes, I have a fleet of ships too. Um, it's just so good. And and uh, so I know, I think Dixie, you said you were not familiar with Fire Emblem before, right? Nope, I have never played a game of it before. I had probably heard. Oh, oh, I had only heard of it because of people posting screenshots from the mobile game Fire Emblem Heroes. Oh, okay. And yeah. past that, I, <laughs> I had never heard of it. Um, the thing about Three Houses is it's it's the perfect Fire Emblem game to start with if you're not already familiar with the gameplay because yeah. they really made it accessible. Um, and I know a lot of people are complaining that it's, quote, too easy. But A, there's a maddening difficulty if you really want that yep. that Fire Emblem, you know, classic Fire Emblem experience. But also, like, I, I've played a lot of Fire Emblem games. And back in the day, if you didn't, want to perma lose your characters you had to restart a map like 20 times 
Yes, and I don't have time for that shit anymore. I'm going to go ahead and say this right now. If anybody wants to gatekeep me about this, then they can die mad about it. Um, I am totally playing every single playthrough on casual because I want to see the story and I don't want to lose anyone. Yep. And I want my options open. I think that my next run, I might do an an, an all adults run because that could be fun and different. Oh, yeah. But like, I do not care. I love the fact that a couple of them can fall in battle every time and they're back the next time. It, it does not bother me to play on easy mode. I don't care. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I, I played I played that way the first time through. And, and again, no regrets. I love it. I am actually playing on permadeath for my second playthrough just because I did find it a little easy. And it's like I'm and because it has the, the rewind feature, which I oh, love. Yeah. Oh, my I God. I wish every go Fire Emblem had it's the like, time I, travel. <laughs> right, exactly. So it's like I want because that's one reason why I stopped playing Fire Emblem is because I got so sick of having to read yeah. the map. So it's like I actually want to try with the permadeath on and rewind it because the off chance is like you know okay well if someone dies does that change the story i'm curious yeah. you know okay so maybe after i've done all four of my playthroughs <laughs> and seen right. the whole story with everybody do, do alive then maybe maybe i'll go do at least like no. a like regular like mode. normal classic but, yeah now one question i yeah. do have for you guys um because this is only my second playthrough and i'm like only just really starting my second playthrough i've taken i took a bit of a break from it do you just uh jump around in the monastery and you're other playthroughs, or do you walk through it all the time? I, I I fast travel, but I'm I'm a fast travel dork. Like, well, okay, so I have a route. So <laughs> I come in my personal quarters and I walk down to the garden to, to the greenhouse, and then I come right. back up to the fishing hole, and then I go into right. the dining hall, and yep. then I usually go North Officers Academy. No, wait, no. Yep. Then I go entrance hall, marketplace, stable. And then I, I always fast travel to the cathedral because I yeah, no, across I that bridge the unless I see that somebody is on the bridge. Right. If somebody's standing on the bridge. And then I also fast travel to the, to the, the second floor. Yeah, I think so. Your route is actually the exact opposite of my route. I would go out from the personal <laughs> quarters and go to the training uh, the training grounds first. And then so you walk the, out and turn left. I walk out and turn right. Okay. Yeah, the other direction. <laughs> um, I, f- I usually what I will do the full walk the first time in a month. Um, so that I make sure right. I, I don't miss anybody. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, also, m- more to the point, actually, so that I don't miss lost items that are lying around, because I've done that before, where I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, getting sick w- running around off fast travel, and then I'm like, wait, I come back later, there was a lost item there that I didn't get or something. Um, like, even if I yeah. fast travel, I do try to fully explore every area every yeah, time. Yeah, I run around and everywhere and... Okay. Because one thing, one thing is like, because I have said my my route's slightly different. I actually fast travel to the uh, a marketplace and then work from south to north, um, because I'm weird. No, you're not. We we we, we all have different routes. Yeah, so we're we all, all have weird. That's uh, fair, fair. Um, but uh, I, I noticed like on my second playthrough, it's like I was getting a little bored with with constantly walking through the monastery, and so I was like, Man, should I should I just fast travel? And I, I, I'm I, I, I put it aside because I want to see if it may just also I have been playing it for like. I played 50 hours in like three weeks. So it's like, okay, maybe I just need to <laughs> yeah, take a, a break. <laughs> I'm definitely at a point with it where like, I, I'll i also skip some of the supports because at this point I've seen them three times. Right, yeah. So right. there's like, like I, I've i never been opposed to fast travel. I um, I have friends who play Skyrim, which I, I still play all the time, and they'll play it without fast traveling. Like, because it's like, it's like they're like fun, like sur- survival hard mode. And I'm oh. like, bitch, no. No, I, I everywhere <laughs> well, in Skyrim. My problem with Skyrim was that, like, 
I would get lost and I'd end up trying to like walk up a mountain because I, I didn't know how to get where I was supposed to be going and it drove me crazy. So as soon as I could fast travel somewhere, that was it. I always fast travel there. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, and 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 if you have nowhere that close to it, you fast travel to the closest place or take a little wagon taxi to the closest city and then walk from there. Yeah. Although now that after so I haven't played Skyrim in a while. I think after the last you know, I stopped playing it, they came out with some DLC and some patches and stuff. And I think mounted combat's a thing now. So, yes. and I was playing an archer mage. And so like, I would definitely go around the map on my horse and shoot things. That would be fun. But when I played it, that wasn't a thing. But yeah, as far as uh, mm. fast travel at, in three houses, I actually, they, they make it easier to not miss things because every time you fast travel, they give you that list of like, which characters are in what rooms mm-hmm. and have you talked to them yet? Or do yeah, they have do they have things to say and where are the quests and so that, that's kind of what I, that's kind of what I've been doing is like basically just like uh, I'll use the map on the side and go okay there's the bubble there's a the bubble okay boom hit them hit them hit them yeah uh, but if I if I see a space where there's nobody there with the bubble I just kind of just skip that space entirely and like yeah the, like the bumper flip through I'll at least do like a a spin in whatever area I'm in like if I have to go to the library to talk to you know Linhart or whatever I'll like oh sure you just like, put, put take a quick around, circle yeah. Yeah, see blue if there's sparkles any... and then like. Same thing if I'm standing like in the marketplace, I kind of like do a quick spin around because there's, there's there's always something at like the, the blacksmith or the armor right. or whatever. Yeah. So is there a, is there a book I'm planting that gives you a weirdly weirdly proportional amount of professor points for some reason? What's really cool is that once you're on your like third playthrough, I just the, the very first thing I did was I spent renown to put Byleth at A plus, and I was yep. like, well, done with that. <laughs> Same. I get ten activity yep. points every day. Like, yep. And so all I, can I do, do three is battles. eat meals with my friends constantly. <laughs> you like eat like eight meals a day and then like yeah. maybe like a choir <laughs> practice and a training um it's like pilot what are you doing with your time yeah no i definitely so eating cooking and planting i was trying to get a bunch of my folks up um to like you know higher support ranks so i could recruit them because that's part of the fun of the game and i like one of the hardest ones to get when you're not in that house is Ferd- Ferdinand von Eyre, everyone's yep. favorite. Ferdinand von Eyre. But luckily, since I had him in a previous game, I just eventually spent the 800 renown to bump him up to A. Oh, and I was like, get over yeah, here. Okay. Yeah, he's really hard to recruit. Yeah, because he just wants to have a competition with Edelgard forever. Anyway, um, this has been the Three Houses cast. Uh... <laughs> wait, okay, wait. I just have three one more one more Three Houses question. I want to know okay, okay. Uh, who your favorite character is, both of you. <sighs> Do I have to have a favorite? Because I love so many of them. Um, they're, they're all good. Just if you had to, just off the top of your head, you had to pick one. I truly actually love to do. I think a lot of people like don't really give him credit because a lot of you know I, I, I'm not a big anime fan, and honestly, the fact that a lot of them look as young as they do is a little strange to me because they're all very mm-hmm. smooth faced mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I picked to do as my romance option when I did Blue Lions, partially partially at first because he reminded me a little bit of um, Malachite from Sailor Moon, who I had a big crush on when I was. Oh a kid. yeah. Um, but also once I started talking to him and you like get his story and like no huge spoilers for anybody, but like he looks all tough, but he's super into like gardening and like he's really sweet and he has this like tragedy in his he's, backstory. Oh, he's the most he's domestic really character nice. in the game. He cooks and yeah. And yeah. And then I just kind of fell in love with that part. Um, whereas like in my first game I, I went with Hubert because once again looks like he oldest person in the class. <laughs> Like, right. actually looks like an adult. Um, yeah. But also, I like Hubert because I'm a goth chick that lives off coffee. And mm-hmm. he's a goth boy who lives off coffee. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. He totally is. So, and also, he's voiced by Robbie Damon, who is the voice of Tuxedo Mask. 
Right. Who I dearly love. Um, But anyway, uh, I like to do a lot just because once you get into his backstory and you get into the tragedy of it and you kind of like talk to him more because when you're not in his house, like in my first run through, I was like, he looks severe and harsh and weird. I bet he's going to be all like Mm military-ish. And then you meet him and he's like, I love to garden. I love to cook. I want to take you to see the flowers where I grew up. And you're like, oh, yeah. Eddie? So for me, it's like, while Edelgard was the person I ended up uh, for my romance option, I really like Dorothea because she gives no fucks. Oh, zero fucks. <laughs> she, she'll walk up to nobles like going, you know, like, I'm Fernando Iyer, I'm a noble. She's like, I don't care. You suck. And just walks off. It's like, but I'm Fernando Iyer. Her interactions <laughs> with Lawrence are really good, too. Her interactions <laughs> with Lawrence are amazing. Yeah. Oh, my God. She owns him so hard. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, no, she's she's pretty freaking great. Um, I know, like, she's one of, I think, the top characters, partially because she's romanceable by male and female by love. Mm-hmm. Um, she's one of the yeah. very few canonically bisexual characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, she, yeah, I I do love her kind of like, yeah, I came from the streets. I'm not a noble. I don't care. I'm here the same as all y'all. What? Go away. Yeah, yep. I love Dorothea. What about you, Megan? She's so good. Um, my favorite character is Claude Von Regan. He's my video game husband. Uh, I have some sad news for you, and that's that he's about to be my video game husband. Um, excuse me. Oh, <laughs> this is really awkward. Actually, but... so uh, so I made the mistake of starting my oh, first. Right. What? No, I just remembered what you were about to say because you told me this story in person. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I made the mistake of starting my first game with male Byleth, not realizing that uh-huh. Claude of all people is not by. Somehow. What? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Well, first of all, there is an issue with Fire Emblem that I'll go ahead and talk about right now. And that, you know, it is very binary and fairly heteronormative. There are a few characters that are romanceable by either Byleth, because you can pick male or female Byleth. Um, And then there's only one male character who who you you can romance as male Byleth. Yep. And it is both boring as a choice... No offense to him, I love him, but boring is a choice. I like him. And also, no, I I like him, but of all of the options. Yeah. Like, it's kind of the least interesting one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then also there are so many other characters that are, like, coded a little femme, which I actually like that they have these femme-coded characters that are actually very straight, which makes me happy. Yeah. Um, Because it's kind of turning masculinity on its head. But also, like, I wish that, like, you could find out that, like, Raphael was bisexual or somebody. Or, like, one of the more, like, mass characters. Yeah. No, that would be, I mean, honestly, like, I was so annoyed that, so there are five women that, five femme characters that um, female Byleth can romance, and there's one for male Byleth. I was pretty annoyed. But I was extra annoyed because it meant I couldn't marry Claude, and it was not okay. Did you restart the game and play it again as Femme Byleth? So that you can I'm gonna. That? I'm gonna I'm gonna replay Golden <laughs> After So after I play Blue Lions and I play Black Eagles and then I'm gonna replay Golden Deer so I can marry Claude. When I marry Claude, I'm gonna screen cap my my ending and send it to you. Oh my god, that's so oh. mean! I wouldn't do that. Oh You're the god. worst! <laughs> I, I just want you to be able to live vicariously through me. Jesus, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly have no idea who I'm going to romance on my second Black Eagles run because, like, the minute I started playing the game, I was like, well, Hubert, there he is. Uh, he's weird. Yeah. 
he's weird and wears all black and has high cheekbones and uh, likes coffee. And I'm just <laughs> that's the hang thing out on New Game dude. Plus. Yeah, the thing with New Game Plus is when you you recruit everybody and then you're like, well, I could just like here's my favorite character and they're not in my house, but I recruited them anyway, so I could romance them. But I'm deliberately not doing that. Um, for my Blue Lions run, I'm yeah. gonna romance Dimitri because I that's love what Dimitri. Meredith did. Well, so that's that's my thing is that I have been romancing um, house exclusive characters. Oh, okay. So yeah. like, yeah. like I did Hubert on Black Eagles because he's not available anywhere else, and then right. I did Dedu, who is one of two exclusive characters to Blue Lions. Yeah. And with Dimitri, I was kind of like, uh, see a therapist, get over yourself. No, I um, love Dimitri. <laughs> yeah, he still needs a fucking therapist. Well, yes. Um, I mean, so do most of the characters in the so game. So do though. all of the children. That's yes, true. you're right. That is, oh my god, they're so true. <laughs> they're my anxiety babies, my depression babies, and my ADHD babies. That's what I call like, all three houses. Like Bernadetta, so. please, please talk to a therapist. Oh yeah, I love you. But... Oh my god, her story gets so dark it really does yeah okay we have now wasted literally Anyways. 20 minutes talking <laughs> okay. about three <laughs> um which is cool because it means it's our normal episode length i'll just have to put a disclaimer that there's three houses and some very minor spoilers at the end okay. I didn't put a, right none of us said anything major but just some other relationships yeah, um yeah. but yeah so it has been a pleasure having you on megan i'm glad we got to both talk about all your work and dish about three houses because why not <laughs> um <laughs> We should definitely do another tangent episode sometime, Eddie, with me and Matthew, where we can just talk about random shit. Because I, I always have fun yeah. where we do, like, our favorite media properties. Like, just whatever. Yeah. Um, but Megan, Absolutely. people wanted to follow you, find you, aside from coming to PAX Unplugged. Where could they do that on Twitter or a forum or what have you? Um, so they can find me on the Onyx platforms, just Megan Fitzgerald, or on Twitter at, at Fitzmorigna, M-O-R-R-I-G-N-A. Awesome. Eddie, where can people find or follow you? Uh, you can find uh, my work and my website at pugsteady.com. Um, and from there, you can find all my social media accounts. Uh, and also, I usually hang around on Twitter and at the Onyx Path. Awesome. You can find me at DixieCochran.com or Dixie Cyanide on most social media and in various discords, including the Onyx Path Discord, the Chronicles of Darkness Discord. Um, I'll be hanging around in the comments on the Mummy the Curse 2E Kickstarter for the foreseeable future. If yeah. you have any questions, feel free to try to poke me on there. I'll try to try to check them every day uh as always you can find us at the onyxpath.com you can also find us on our twitch channel and our discord which i will link in the show notes and as always many worlds one pathcast